0: It's that time of the week where we get to work out all things scientific or maybe not so scientific. Uh, Dr. Carl Krisanicki is with us, uh, the author of 47 books, and Dr. Carl's little book of climate change science is the latest. He's working on one right now. We've talked about that, but he's on the phone right now. Dr. Carl, did you have a good week? Good morning. Oh, mate. Lovely week, mate. Wouldn't be dead for quits. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Now, listen, there's something I wanted to talk to you about. And I don't know how scientific we are going to get this morning. And I'm talking about UFOs. In Mm. the United States and over the skies of the United States and Canada, we are hearing reports about balloons being shot down or symmetrical uh, shaped objects being shot down out of the sky and no one can actually deny or confirm whether or not these are weather uh, weather machines or whether or not there's something else. And the Pentagon, for the first time in a long time, has officially said that maybe there are such things as UFOs, unidentified flying objects. These are objects that are in the sky that the Pentagon is saying fly way too fast to be of anything that comes from this world, but they're not saying much more. Dr. Carl Kruzenecki, you've been following this, the Pentagon finally admitting that there may be UFOs in our skies. What are your thoughts?
1: I agree. Uh, there are objects, the O's, that are flying, F, and they're unidentified. Yeah. They are definitely unidentified flying objects. Um, do they, they do say very ble- uh, bleakly, that they seem to move at incredible speed and do things that ordinary flying objects can't. But the point is they don't do this under visual or long-term reliable radar operation. Mm -hmm. What happens is they flicker into vision on the... Infrared, and they flicker out again, and then sometimes another part of the weapon system, the radar unit, picks it up, and then sometimes it doesn't. And you say, "Well, it was over here at this time; it was over there at that time." By a different measuring system, wow, it has to have gone over there. I remember actually watching an entire episode of Joe Rogan with a guy who claimed that he was a pilot for the uh, some aerial wing of the United States military, and. Only towards the end did he point out that they were flying with new and untested radar. Right. And what they were getting on the radar was objects going here and then somewhere else. At no stage did they get close to an object where the aliens are waving to them and they see it with their eyeballs, and then suddenly it, it accelerates, it just vanishes, it does weird stuff that a jet can't do. No, the weird things that they're seeing are always on proxy systems. Not not the naked eyeball, but long range radar, long range infrared. Now, I have wanted to believe in UFOs ever since I started reading science fiction at the age yeah. of twelve. Yeah. I actually I actually believed in them deeply from when I was about fourteen to oh well, maybe 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 twelve to fifteen. And then I suddenly thought, how come there's never any sharp photograph? Nothing in focus yes. Mate, I want I would be prepared to believe in UFOs 15 Ways from Breakfast. Just give me the proof.
0: I know I'm with you. A- and now that everybody on the planet just about has a smartphone with a very good camera attached, it's very, very easy for anyone to whip out their phone and go click, click, click and take a fairly high resolution picture of whatever it is they're aiming at. And yet, every picture of UFOs and swamp monsters, and Loch Ness monsters, and everything else for that matter, is very, very grainy, and very, very distant. Why is that?
1: Um, Maybe because they're subconsciously trying to fake it. At one stage in my life, I used to be a TV weatherman for Channel 10. Yeah. And Yeah, about one and a half years. Yeah. And um, this guy turned up from Wollongong, and he had a videotape. Yeah. And he said, I've got, I've got this proof. I've got a, a UFO. Yeah. And he, I said, okay, show me what you've got. And so he showed this videotape. And what it was, was at sunset. And there was something in the evening sky to the west. And it was jiggling around and doing all sorts of stuff. And, but the whole camera was moving. And he said, see, that's proof of a UFO. I said, can we just play that again? And this time, I turned up the audio. Yes. And in the background, you can hear his friend saying, oh, for God's sakes, Fred, it's just bloody Venus. Stop zooming in on it and jiggling the camera and Mm. zooming out Mm. and making it look like it's moving. It's just stupid Venus. Mm -hmm. He really wanted to believe. He's saying, no, it's not Venus. I can prove it. And it just sat there in the sky, perfectly stationary, like Venus has been doing for thousands of years.
0: So, Dr. Carl, is the jury out? The Pentagon, are they just using UFOs as an excuse to not have to explain what it is they're shooting at?
1: In some cases, they don't know. Now, I've actually seen a, a launch of a, a astronomical balloon. Have you ever seen one of the big ones? Right, yeah. They, they're amazing. So uh, we'd already organised it. We'd see it. And they'd already launched one from Alice Springs. There are various reasons. the a low wind velocity. So we were driving into Alice Springs. We were about 80 kilometres away and we could see this thing glowing in the sky. Yeah. And that was the balloon. Yes. From about 80 kilometres away. It was size of a football field and reflecting the sunlight, so it was really bright. And then we went out in the morning and blow me down, we actually had a launch. So they got this thing which is maybe 200, 300 metres long. The balloon plastic is made of stuff one-tenth of the thickness of cling wrap one tenth Mm -hmm. is really fragile and when everything's looking good and you got yourself you got all all people there and the payload of some sort of astronomical device weighing about a ton and everybody's been waiting for day after day coming out at two o'clock in the morning waiting for it to get through and finally at three o'clock in the morning they said look it's looking good at four o'clock in the morning said it's go Mm -hmm. so now they're taking a risk because the moment they unroll this long canvas thing about a third of a kilometer long they are committed. They can't fold it up again. Right. Because it's they're laying it down on the grass and the dust. The canvas is protecting the balloon from it. And if they fold it up, roll it up again, you've got the grass and the dust and it'll just cut through the balloon. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And so they lay this thing out and then they start, uh, uh, so it's a third of a kilometre long and maybe a metre or two wide and there's this plastic balloon running a third of a kilometre and then you get You know the B-double semi-trailers? Yes. Mate, there's two of them. Yeah. And they are full of cylinders of helium gas. Okay. The diameter of your body about five to ten metres long.
0: Yeah.
1: And there's two trucks, and they're going to empty all the helium into this stupid thing. And there's two trucks, and there's two guys who are chosen for being heavy. Mm. And they hang on to the gas coming out, Mm. and the gas is coming out through something the diameter of your leg Mm and there's two sort of hollow tubes hanging off the bottom of the balloon, and and one guy's pumping gas into one, and the other guy's pumping gas into the other, and it's coming out like a fire hose, so you need somebody who's heavy, and they just hang on to it. Yes. And they're, they're pumping and pumping the gas, and then after about half an hour, the gas travels to the end, and then there's a section right at the very end that, like a little bubble, lifts up. And it's about the size of a house and then it grows to be the size of a double-story house and then it begins to lift up the whole thing. And if at this stage, and we're talking just before sunrise, if the slightest wind blows it onto the grass or the dirt, made the thing just burst open. Mm. And and so and then they're, they're pumping gas in and they're hoping that it'll rise and rise and rise from you know, 300 metres to 250, 200. And finally, it's just vertically up. It's got a little tiny blob at the top but it's enough to support the weight. And then they, there's, now they're safe. Now they're safe, but they don't want a big wind, and they just keep on pumping gas into it, and then, then the uh, one-ton payload's at the bottom, and they let it fly, and it goes up to eighty, hundred thousand 100,000 feet. Okay? So they're the big ones size mm-hmm. of a football field. Yep. And then there's the weather balloons, and I've launched a weather balloon from Antarctica where I'll be going in a couple of weeks, and these weather balloons are about a metre or two metres in size, yeah, maybe even up to a small car, and 1,600 are launched every day. So there's lots of them you-
0: floating around.
1: Oh, God. And during the time of Donald Trump, uh, I think three or four big ones, the big ones, went across the United States. Yes. And the United States did nothing. Ah, there you are. Uh, yes. And, but this time, uh, don't the, the, the Republicans are saying, oh, this proves the weakness of the, the Democrats because they're not shooting them down. Whereas under the Republican administration, three or four of them went over and they didn't shoot them down either. Well, there you are. And, and why would you need them? Because, mate, they've got satellites. I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit. They can almost see the face of an ant. Lately.
0: I know. I've, I, I mean, you and I can use Google Earth. And we can, we can zoom in on a lunchbox on a table in our own backyards. Why would you need to use a balloon to spy when there are so many more sophisticated methods available to you? Dr. Carl, fascinating to talk to you once again. Thank you for that. Thank you for the lesson. And we will talk again very soon. Thank you, Dr. Carl.
1: Thank you, Dr. Lewis.